It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Day or night, summer or winter, he's the sound of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on ECNZ. Yeah, Marina, good morning, New Zealand. Uh, 9.03, uh, marching through to midday. In the next uh, three hours, we've got some cricket for you, some football, uh, some basketball, some rugby league, uh, and a panel, all sorts of things. Pacing for purpose wrap-up. Uh, really busy, actually, uh, in the next uh, three hours uh, across a wide spectrum of sports. So let's get on with it. Sport is our religion, and here is Smithy's Sermon. I know it's not hard, but I'm confused. Can someone please explain how you can get a COVID in a contested scrum, but you can't in a non-contested scrum, or a line-out, or a tackle, or a ruck, or a mall, or sitting next to someone on a bus breathing the same air for four hours at a time? They say uncontested scrums are better than having no rugby at all, but really, is it? Do they ask the props whose job it is, their reason for being? Would it not be better to run six masks out each time the big boys up front are ready to set and engage. Might slow the game down, but hey, that's the fashion anyway. It's an appalling concept. It's time to protest. Every man and woman that's ever worn one or three, or 17 or 18, should hop in their utes or their tractors, because that's what tough buggers drive, and form a convoy, drive to Parliament, and camp out on the front lawn, blocking the streets along the way. Just see if the Minister of Sport or any MP is brave enough to come out and face them for a little uncontested banter. It's something the coppers might think twice about too. After all, they're up against front rowers and they live for a contest. And imagine the ref having to reset an uncontested scrum because Mr Moody's cheek is a little too close to Mr Tuangafasi's. Hmm, there's even a short arm penalty. Maybe a result or even a yellow card for repeated infringing. What a ridiculous subject, what a ridiculous sermon. Blow the whistle ref, Sarah, Sarah. let's get on with it. Our cricket now, and everyone loves a great comeback story. And in this case, uh, we're talking about Otago opening batsman, former Black Cap, of course, Hamish Rutherford, who's back in the Black Caps test squad for the first time since 2015. 32 years of age now. Uh, He's been brought in uh, to uh, play against South Africa in Christchurch, which begins in a week's time. And Hamish is good enough to join us this morning. Uh, Good morning, Hamish. Uh, Fantastic news for you, mate. 
Yeah, good good to catch up again. It's been a long time. Uh, when did you get the news, it mate, has. that you uh, were, he- were heading to Christchurch? When did you find out? Uh, actually, I found out a couple of weeks ago. So while it's obviously news to everybody in the last sort of couple of days, I've, I've sort of had time to process it um, quietly and I guess make some plans um, for the next couple of weeks. It's been a long time, mate. Uh, it's been uh, it's coming up seven years, I think, since uh, since you last played it. Did you ever think that, that this might come about? Did you have a, a real aspirations for that? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's been a while. Um, I got the got my black cap out yesterday. It stunk, so I had to air it out a little bit. Um, but yeah, you always, look, you always hold on hope, and I think that's. It's the driver once you get older to to continually try and improve and and look at areas in your game and your life and you know whether it be fitness or whatever it is to try and get better and I guess one day maybe get another game and you know um, to obviously get the call that I'm in the squad um, is the first first step in that um, I guess dream back. Uh, look, you haven't been uh, shying away from cricket though. I mean. I'm going to say you've played uh, county cricket for a number of seasons now, so uh, it's pretty much been your life even outside the international aspirations, yeah? Yeah, no, you're right. Um, I've, I've been very lucky that I've continued to be given opportunities overseas and without blowing my own you know, trumpet, I've, I've, I've tended to do all right in county cricket, which, is, which has been really good and you know, it obviously helps the, the livelihood of, of back home as well because... You know, domestic cricket, while it is good, it's it's still not, you know, 110 percent, is it? So, um, yeah, it's it's county cricket's fantastic. Not only you know from the from the money point of view, but also the experience. Um, you know, I've played a number of games now. The the different conditions, the different ball, and different opposition you come up against. Has it meant uh, evolving your technique as such? I mean, uh, <coughs> I'll be honest; it's been a little while since uh, since I've seen you. Uh, <laughs> Uh, bat. So I, I, I've got to say, during that um, during that time in county cricket, have have you made changes and and evolved your technique and and maybe the mental approach to the game? Oh, bits bits and pieces. I think you know, like to the naked eye, probably most people think I look very similar. Um, but to me personally, I'll, I'll definitely look at an old technique and giggle. Um, it just I've tried to just refine it back. Very very simple and you know pretty still. Um, small movements. But like you said there in the last part, it's more the mental. It's just more understanding what you need day in, day out to perform. Um, you know, seven years ago or even eight years ago, nine, you know, I'd, I sort of didn't really know. I was, I was learning on the job. I sort of said to a couple of press. Um, and, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm all the better for it. Um, you know, I'm certainly in a much better position now than I was back when I was actually playing. So, you know, if I do get the nod, I'm certainly, um, I guess, ready, I suppose, would be the word. And ready to bat, I guess anywhere, anywhere. I mean, uh, obviously Kane not there. Ross has gone for good, so there are there are options uh, at the top of the order and perhaps a little bit further down. Yeah, it's 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 bizarre, isn't it, to think that these those two guys aren't aren't going to be walking out in a test match for New Zealand. Certainly, as a fan, it's going to look a bit strange. And you know, me and myself looking at it, it looks quite odd. But it provides some good opportunities for other guys. Um, I guess the communication I've had is anywhere in the top three. So, um, you know, that's where I've batted majority of my career. Had a dabble last year at four just to show that I could. Um, but, yeah, look, I'm, I'm just, you know, I'll grab any opportunity I can. You've stayed lo- loyal to Otago. It's quite often you see uh, when players 
sort of go start international cricket and uh, and then they drift out international cricket or or whatever they they change provinces uh, just to yep. get a rejuvenation in their career something different. But you've um, you've stayed loyal. Have you ever contemplated perhaps uh, changing, or was the county seen your change? Yeah, it's a couple of good points there. Um, yeah, def- definitely. Look, every every year, you know, you look at your options. You you put everything on the table, to be honest, and you you strip your your game and you strip your your mental approach right back, and you look at what areas you need to improve. And if a move is a move, you know, I have had conversations with other places, but at the end of the day, I've I've always been a firm believer that no matter where you're playing your cricket, you're bringing yourself with you. So unless you address your own you know, whether it be mental approach or your own technique, it, it actually doesn't matter where you play. Um, yes, you can get that, you know, rejig of life, you know, but I suppose that's what the county get, game gives me, you know, go over there and um, have that sort of fun and what and whatnot in the winter. And, um, yeah, I suppose, you know, I do bleed blue and yellow, so it, it's this, this province is quite, you know, fond to me, so um, I really enjoy playing my cricket down here and I love my life down in Dunedin, so... To be honest, I probably wouldn't be moving anywhere now. Certainly with two kids, I don't think my missus would be too happy with that. <laughs> uh, Rutherford, <laughs> Rutherford, dear. Hey, uh, what about uh, what about uh, your start to Test cricket? Uh, I mean, I commentated your amazing start to Test cricket, um, and, and at that point, uh, I guess you probably thought, "Hell, this game's not too not too tough." What are they talking about? Uh, and then, of course, uh, what what happens to most batsmen and, and bowlers in the game is there's a leveling out process. So, what what do you think mentally uh, would make you a better Test player now? It's just look, I I was learning. I, I uh, to be honest with you, I was picked at a great time. I, I'd been scoring um, runs, and um, back then, I, I'm sure you remember, Smithy, the pitches were very placid. Um, and they were great for batting in New Zealand. I think you saw sort of, I think the first test against um, West Indies in the basin, I don't know if you remember, I think Trent Bowl got his first five. That was actually the first green pitch I'd ever played on. I, I still remember the toss going up and thinking to Fultz, what on earth am I going to do out there? And I mean, that's not a great mindset to be in when you're in a test match, is it? So I think, yeah, I was, I was learning on the job, and as I'm sure you know, you a lot of people do in New Zealand and, and some, you know, are able to adapt and learn quickly and put performances on the board that they keep getting picked and others don't. And unfortunately, I was probably that guy. Um, and yeah, I just, yeah, it's the whole package that international cricket is, you know, the the press, you know, whether it be scrutiny, positive, or, you know, um, just dealing with all that stuff, the travel. Um, yeah, after that first test, I think the next year I spent majority of the time away from home, which if you're not used to it, it can be challenging. So I suppose mm. just all those learnings, um, which, yeah, I, yeah, again, I, would, I wouldn't change anything for it. You know, I'm certainly a better person for it um, and definitely a better player for what I went through. But, yeah, I'm, I'm just yeah, pretty fizzed that I've, I've yeah, been given another crack. And the interesting thing about uh, the way cricket's evolved in this country is it's, it's pretty well dominated, particularly in that uh, time over Christmas when fans are more available by white ball cricket. We're, we're talking about T20 yeah. cricket, of course, and then 50 over cricket, which means sometimes there's a big gap between playing red ball cricket and preparing yourself for the longer form of the game. Your last game, I yeah. think, uh, was back in November. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Alex, of all places, actually. Um, lovely, lovely time up there. Um, but no, you're right. To, to be honest, for, for my game, it's it's very similar the way I prep. Um, apart from maybe 2020, so it's not too different. Um, yeah, like I said before, I, I yeah we welcomed a new baby in last week, so I missed the two games against CD, which 
from a preparation point of view, maybe isn't ideal. Although, you know, I've played enough cricket and know where my game's at and know what areas I need to do to make sure I'm in good shape. So I've had some good some good hit-outs. Um, and then, yeah, looking forward to getting into camp next week and, I guess, furthering on that. And a look at uh, the South African attack. Have you been able to do any study of, of potentially what, what you might be up against? I haven't actually sat down on my laptop yet, um, but just from obviously um, watching, I watched that two series in, in India, uh, not in India, in South Africa against India. Um, and yeah, they obviously look like they've got a pretty, pretty decent seam attack. Um, they welcomed Simon Harmer back, who made me look like an absolute fool in um, county cricket last year. So that'll be that'll be good. Um, it's good to see him back playing for South Africa. He's an absolute champion of the bloke. Um, but yeah, I think, yeah, it'll be nice. I think I might have heard you say in a previous interview that You'd like to see some grass taken off some pitches. I mean, that would be quite nice, wouldn't it? I'd like to see it, not not for the sake of you <laughs> top-order players. I'd, I'd just like to see a bit of spin in Test cricket in New Zealand. You know, I, I, that, that's all I, I would like to see. But, I mean, the challenge is going to be, I mean, if you look at Hagley Oval, and that's the interesting thing too, uh, Hamish, the possibility of playing on two Test pitches a matter of yards apart. Uh, and predominantly, yeah. I would imagine, green pitches. There'll be grass on those, admittedly. Yeah, no, no, you're right. I mean, first-class cricket, they, they dabble every now and then trying to uh, make it spin to suit Canterbury. Um, and, it, and it has. Um, they're quite an exciting, different challenge. Um, but traditionally, yeah, for a test match, you'll see a green surface where, you know, you bowl first on it. So, um, yeah, again, like I said, I've, I've experienced that now. There's, I mean, domestic cricket, you see some pretty green pitches. So I'm, I'm definitely adept at dealing with that, um, if that's the case. Well, mate, I'm really thrilled that you've been given another opportunity. It's because you deserve it. You know, you've been playing really well. And I think you've probably, just listening to you now, I think you've got the mindset to come back in and replace the experience that has disappeared very quickly. So I wish you all the best, mate. I hope you get the nod and take the opportunity. I'm sure selling to you really balanced and ready to go for it. So I hope it comes your way. Thank you. Thanks, Vinny. Appreciate it. Yeah, cheers. Uh, good luck, Hamish. Hamish Rutherford there, of course, back in the test squad uh, to potentially uh, look at uh, the top. Or I was thinking about it myself, actually. Where where would you do it? You could possibly, uh, it could open, of course. Uh, and that means that um, Will Young could go to three, uh, Conway to go to four. And that, you know, that uh, all of a sudden you've got Conway in that Ross Taylor pivotal position. Uh, and then um, you go for Nichols at five. Uh, then you go for Mitchell at six. Uh, and then, you, you, of course, you, you wipe out the spin factor there altogether by playing Blundell at seven, and then your four big boys. Uh, so if they want to ensure they're batting, uh, I think Hamish Rutherford is, is a big chance to bat in that top order, uh, and that's certainly one of the reasons they've got cover there. Uh, if they think that spin is not going to be a factor, um, and, and then they've, they've got the, the, the Grondheim option as well, I suppose, to come in and bowl some medium paces. But they want to go hell for leather, uh, of course, without Trent Bolt in the first test, uh, they're looking at uh, perhaps Matt Henry on his home deck uh, to cover that. So you're looking at four genuine options there, uh, plus Daryl Mitchell, uh, and that gives the batting, for me, a lot more depth, a lot more length. So we'll just see what the options are that they come up with. Uh, Gary Stead gave us a couple of hints, but things change on the nature of the pitch, etc. And uh, it'll be interesting to see next Thursday. Uh, it's rolling around real quick. Uh, so 9.18 here on SENZ. Uh, we'll be back in a second uh, with a text subject for me. Uh, I did have one, but oh, oh yes it was, of course it was. 
uncontested scrums, you rugby buffs, uncontested scrums, uh, what are they going to look like and what is that going to mean to the game? Uh, you know, I mean, they have uncontested scrums in that other game with 13 players, don't they? And on that subject, we shall be talking to Kieran Foran as well later in the morning. You would eliminate the big lads up front from the game. Well, John, uh, you, you uh, tried to clarify it a wee bit in my mind. It might, it might just be as a result of what happens during the game as opposed to starting it and being a prerequisite for the competition. Depending, of course, though, uh, on the availability of the number of props that you have within your squad. So what, what you're saying is uh, New Zealand rugby are saying that you could get injured props uh, and therefore you, you've got reduced numbers. And then if you, if you manage to get, or had, happen to get COVID within a, a group of props as well, uh, that would be the situation. But I, I still don't, I can see that, but an uncontested scrum for me tends to suggest you've still got that cheek-to-cheek contact without the pressure power of a scrum. So... Explain to me what, what you think of Yeah, is. Yeah, I'm just thinking, like, we've got an example now of the Blues and Moana Pacifica having players who have been close contacts with COVID. So imagine if those people were props and they've only got, I think, three specialist tight heads and three specialist loose heads in these, uh, in these squads at the moment. So if you take out two specialists, say two specialist tight heads for the Blues now have COVID, uh, they get taken out of the squad. You're left with one specialist tight head. So as soon as he comes off the field, normally after 40, 45 minutes, you replace him with a guy who isn't a specialist tight head prop. So therefore, the referee would decide that it's unsafe to have pushing scrums because you've got a prop who isn't a specialist. Let's go to Golden Oldies and depower it, which I think a loose head could probably switch over and play tight head. I think as soon as you have Golden Oldies scrums, you take away what rugby is. And that's contesting for the ball at all times, including at scrums. And we've seen Golden Oldies scrums before, and it makes an absolute mockery of the contest, doesn't it? I think uh, Dave Rennie himself was involved in a bit of controversy when he was coaching the Chiefs. When they um, their scrum was going backwards, all of a sudden they had lots of injuries and went to Golden Oldies scrums, and I think they came back and won. Uh, and he was accused, actually, of um, taking props off, uh, claiming they were injured when they actually weren't, and he took umbrage to that, and I see he's taking umbrage to this now. He wants powered scrums. Uh, now he's Wallabies coach. He wants to see powered scrums in Super Rugby, and everyone does, Smithy. I don't think we want to get to a point in Super Rugby where we have golden oldies. Uh, and Chris is right in the text. You just bring on a flanker, put him in the front row, and then win the breakdown. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I don't want to see underpowered scrums at all. So whether can they fly in more specialised props, or I'm not sure how they get around it for the safety aspect, but... Surely if you're a specialist loose you can just flip over to tight head and have a go. It's not that specialised, is it? I think for the sake of the game, perhaps it's worthwhile just bringing an extra couple of props into each squad. Um, to be fair, you know, for the sake of the, of the game and the transparency of the game and, and the, you know, the game as we'd like to see it, is it not worthwhile perhaps bringing um, um, uh, some props in uh, to each squad? There, there must be some... Uh, support group props, you know, some fringe props, some backup props, all within these squads on on standby anyway. Yep. Just get them in for the first two or three weeks to make sure you've got that insurance of, of the quality and, and proper propping. But oh, I don't, I don't kind of see. I, I know Chris Lindrum's come out and said Golden Oldie scrums are better than no rugby at all. Mm. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, it just changes the game so much, so much. So many uh, teams, especially the Crusaders, rely on that set piece to get that forward dominance. But it hasn't taken long, has it, Smithy? I mean, the teams have been there for, what, three 
three or four days down in Queenstown already. We've got a COVID scare already. Two players from the Blues are having to stay in their room and one from Moana Pacifica. Is this going to get out of hand? I mean, they've got one more round of preseason. It's only nine days until the first game of the season. I mean, is this going to catch on like wildfire? What's going to happen here? I, I, I'm surprised it's happened so quickly that they've got a close contact. Yeah, close contact. But I mean, that's that's unavoidable because going into you know uh, going into uh, this season, they were still based at home. These guys, um, you know, leading in, into it. So these preseason games at that point, they were mixing with members of their families, um, uh, church groups, social True. occasions, and whatever. So it's not un, it's not unheard of that they would have close contacts. Um, around the situation so and this is going to be more and more prevalent um, uh, it's the fact now that they're in those bubbles that hopefully they've nipped it in the bud and it shouldn't spread any further as such providing these players come back negative uh, over a period of time so yeah that's two squads involved there and two squads of course who um, are going to play each other aren't they first up <laughs> yeah so, um, the Blues in Moana Pacifica so the last thing Moana Pacifica is I uh, want us to lose some key players from uh, up front, really, who, uh, who are going to weaken their squad. They need to be at full strength. So. Absolutely. It might be, be a good I mean, test run, Smithy, just to see how they actually do deal with it, I, I guess. like mm. Probably better now than during the season, and more people are involved. At least it's only two from the Blues, one from Moana Pacifica. They've got their rapid, rapid antigen testing. They can test those out, see if they work, and just see if their protocols that they've put in place are, are actually going to work nine days out from the season. Yep, I totally agree. Uh, so uh, we'd love your thoughts on that. Would you watch rugby w- without scrums? Do you think it devalues the whole thing? Um, you know, contested scrums we're talking about, of course. Uh, and and do you think there's a chance a, a crafty coach whose scrum is uh, a little bit deficient might strategize to uh, to really take benefit of, of that particular glitch in the rules? So love to hear your thoughts. I know there's a lot of rugby people out there, uncontested scrums, or we just looking at a competition where we're just going to have to treat it on a day-by-day basis and whatever happens just happens for the sake of getting some rugby on television and for those limited amount of people that can go to the ground. It's 9.30 here and news time on SENZ. It's that time of the week where we concentrate on the beautiful game and uh, helping us to do that is uh, SENZ Extra Time host and football expert Ricardo Ball. And uh, Ricardo, certainly no scrums or close contact to worry about in that regard with your game. Uh, What we can tell you right here and now is there's four Premier League games going on uh, in England as we speak at halftime. It is Norwich 1, Crystal Palace 0, Tottenham 1, Southampton 1, Manchester City 1, Brentford 0. And uh, at about the 34th minute, Aston Villa and Leeds are locked together at one all as well. So uh, in terms of those games in particular, what are the significant ones, Ricardo? Well, I think uh, you really got to look at that game uh, featuring Norwich, Norwich and Crystal Palace. You know, uh, they're a team that, with Smithy a month ago, everybody, I think even some of the bookies in Britain were paying out on them being relegated. They were already paying out on it. And now they're out of the relegation zone 
And uh, if they can get a result here, you know, they're, they're starting to put some distance between themselves and the likes of uh, of, of Burnley. So uh, this this could be potentially a big result and was a, a fast start from them as well. Timo Pukki, uh, who is the uh, Finnish international who plays up front for them, scored in the 37th second, Smithy. So it was a, a fast wow. start for Norwich this morning. Okay, let's, uh, uh, of significance too, of course, is uh, Newcastle perhaps, perhaps uh, turning a corner. Good 3-1 victory uh, just the other day. Um, Chris Wood not on the score sheet, but starting. Uh, and uh, perhaps, just perhaps, survival prospects for Newcastle. Yeah, it's looking that way, mate. It, it really is. You know, the, the way that they have strengthened. Uh, you know, Kieran Trippier, who was another one of their big signings, uh, the English right back, he did he he put the game to bed for them. He scored the third one from a from a really good free kick, actually. Uh, and so as it stands, you know, Norwich, uh, I, I should have said, have gone back into the relegation zone ahead of the result of this game. Uh, but Newcastle have certainly given themselves a lifeline. And what that win has done over Everton is drag Everton and down into it. So uh, if you look at the, the last relegation place at 18th, that's currently Norwich on 16 points, although as we mentioned they're leading 1-0, so they could go to 19. Then it's Newcastle on 18, Everton on 19, and not far ahead of them is Leeds on 22. So what looked like it was going to be a four-horse race for, for that one spot to stay in the Premier League now could be opened up to a few more teams. Manchester United uh, were... Uh Disappointing, I think it's fair to say, yesterday. Uh, manager, standard manager, not very, very happy at all. Uh, Rolf Rangnick uh, with the performance and letting uh, a couple of points go begging. Yeah, mate, I, th- I think there's a couple of things here. Uh, one is that I think United are playing reasonably well in general. They're not converting their chances. In the last three games, Smithy, they have had 70 shots and they've scored three goals. Uh, so cool. they can they convert you know they're, they're creating chances but they're not finishing chances and the other thing which Ranyak also brought up was that there were two United goals yesterday disallowed uh, and there's some controversy around those um, I'm you know United fans like most fans can be a bit myopic about it but uh, there have been several instances this season where the exact reasons that those goals were chalked off yesterday those goals have been scored against Manchester United this season and have been allowed. Uh, in very similar circumstances. So United fans are crying foul and saying it's one rule for one uh, and another rule for for another. And, you know, if Burnley had scored those goals yesterday and they'd been disallowed, there would have been an uproar and it would have been uh, the referees favouring the big clubs. Have you been disappointed, uh, hand on heart, little disappointed with Cristiano Ronaldo? Didn't start yesterday. I think uh, he came on in the 68th minute looking for a winner. But hand on heart? Yeah, a, a little. I mean, I, I said this at the start, Smithy, and it's a tough one because he has scored goals this season. So if you criticise him, people go, but he's your top scorer. Uh, the thing that happened uh, that I think has been the issue is that, I know Solskjaer is not there anymore, but end of last season, Solskjaer got United to second in the Champions League and they made a European final. They had a way of playing and they were looking good. He had added... Rafael Varane and Jaden Sancho to give him some more pieces, solidify us at the back, give us another dimension going forward. I think he had a plan for how he wanted us to play based on what had happened last season and, and how that had been developing. And then he got given Cristiano Ronaldo. And Cristiano Ronaldo didn't really gel with the way that he wanted to play in terms of a lot of running off the ball, a lot of closing uh, the opposition down with the ball in their own third. But he couldn't drop him and he had to play him. It meant that he had to tweak the way he played and he couldn't get it to work. Uh, So while Cristiano Ronaldo was there scoring goals for United and getting us out of trouble on occasions, 
I think the, mm. the the main point is if he wasn't there in the first place and we didn't have him when we were starting Cavani or Mason Greenwood uh, before his current situation, more often United probably would have been in a better situation and Solskjaer might still be in the job. Well, you mentioned Mason Greenwood, of course. Uh, he won't be around until that situation. Um, and if you haven't heard, it's uh, allegations of uh, domestic abuse and all sorts of things against him, which is pretty ugly. So uh, they'll leave him aside. But uh, it didn't stop West Ham's Kurt Zuma getting recalled into the side after kicking a cat. What? That hadn't gone down too good either in today's world. No, mate, not at all. Um, well, that, that's the thing. I mean, it was it, it was a it was a pretty. I don't know if you've seen it, Smithy, the video. But you know, these footballers, mate. Uh, you know, much uh, they're even richer than, than former cricketers. Um, and so their 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 uh, their mansions are are, are quite big. He, his kitchen is you know looks like some sort of show home kitchen, and he kicks this cat the length of the kitchen, and then starts chasing it around the house, and then some kid that's there picks it up. And he open hand slaps the cat across the head out of the kid's hands as well. So that's what's uh, happened. The fact that man uh, that West Ham came out and denounced his actions, but less than 24 hours after doing that, put him straight in the starting eleven for a game against Watford, I think spoke volumes uh, about where their priorities were. But you know what they say, Smithy hit them in the pocket, and that's when they make uh, they make changes. So one of West Ham's major sponsors has suspended its sponsorship of the club at the moment and now as a result West Ham have suspended Kurt Zuma and fined him two weeks wages which is about £250,000 and they have gifted that to animal wellbeing charities and on top of that Kurt Zuma has also been dropped by Adidas he was a sponsored athlete, they've cut ties with him so he's lost that and uh, probably the most poetic thing Smithy yesterday I thought was uh, one of the Watford players left a little bit on Kurt Zuma in a challenge so he went down holding his leg, the physio ran on and the Watford fans were singing that's how your cat feels and you could hear it uh, in the stadium and over the TV cameras oh, oh my god my god just uh, just a point of interest for you I'm uh, have a look at the monitor there yeah uh, I do not have a cat I do not have a cat and I'm broadcasting from in the middle of my washing line so that that shows you that shows you uh, Ricardo how some ex-cricketers have been paid <laughs> over the years <laughs> so anything all right, let's move, move on to uh, a really good and serious subject now, and that is the Wellington Phoenix. Uh, I must admit I tipped against them last night. They got a late winner over Melbourne Victory uh, and a clean sheet for Ollie Sale. I mean, it, it's just a nice story coming together at the right time. Yeah, really, it really is. You know, it was a really good performance against the Melbourne Victory, and I think it's interesting too that last night Smithy was Scott Wooten, uh, the new signing out of the UK. It was his first start. Uh, at centre back, he's a guy. I don't know if you if, if you caught much about him, but he came through the academy ranks at Manchester United. Uh, played played about four games, I think, for Manchester United, and then got let go. But played three seasons for Leeds in the Championship, uh, and has played in the in the English league. So his first start, and I, I think. Listening to Ollie Sale post match, he said the communication from Scott Wooten was key, uh, and that really helped them. So I think uh, he's a major piece, and to have him there, it's kind of like maybe he's not quite the same pedigree as Stephen Taylor, but it gives them that experienced head, that communicator in there that's uh, that's certainly helping things at the back. What about um, you know they're, they're creating opportunities, actually converting a few opportunities as well. Um, that was without Gary Hooper as well last night. Yeah, it was. You know, um, and, and you know if they can get Hooper fit and back in that team, uh, that gives them yet another dimension because Hooper is a guy that gives them something different to what they have. You know, he's a bigger, more physical presence. Um, so 
you can you can play the smaller guys like the Bulls or uh, the Satorios around them. They can run off him, and it gives defences something else to think about. But yeah, I think mean, the Phoenix are playing really well at the moment. Uh, I think it's worth pointing out that. And, you know, Josh Satorio, he scored two in that last game. Um, but in the first half, he missed about three or four chances. And, you know, you can't continue to do that ongoing. But they made it work. And hopefully now that Satorio's found the net, uh, he's got some form, he's got some confidence, and uh, they can they can take that forward. They've got Adelaide uh, on Saturday, which is going to be their, what, third game in seven days or eight days. Uh, they've got a run of five games in 14 days. Adelaide at the moment are in the playoffs but they've only won three games all season, Adelaide, but they've got a lot of draws. So I think Adelaide are very beatable. And, I mean, if they win that, that's four in a row, and they, then the Phoenix are definitely in the playoff positions. Tell us a wee bit about uh, David Ball up front, because uh, at one point um, I think he rugby league, uh, rugby league tackled a, a player when he, was, <laughs> when he was chasing back. Commentators were all over that, and I don't blame them, because if you saw a replay of the tackle, it was quite bizarre by football standards. Um, but he is ag- aggressive, abrasive. I mean, and, and when he comes at you, 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 you see him, uh, you see him a mile away. And I guess it, uh, he, he's he's not what you'd call a pretty footballer. He doesn't make football a beautiful game, but certainly effective. Yeah, very effective, mate. He's got a great engine, as they say in football, a great engine. He just does not stop. He keeps running, keeps running, keeps running. It's interesting, actually, on the on the rugby league tackle because it was, of course, played at a uh, the former Illawarra Steelers ground uh, that one uh, last night. Uh, that in the first half, Brendan Hamill, who's the former Socceroo who plays for the Melbourne Victory, did something similar on a Phoenix player. They didn't talk about that so much, and he didn't get carded. David Ball gets yellow carded, and the commentators blow up. Um, you know, it's, it's not just the Warriors fans that notice these things, Smithy. I, I think there's a certain amount of the, the Phoenix Twitter exploded about that as well. But yeah, no, David Ball, great player. Uh, at this level, he just. He really does dominate, and he imposes himself on the game just through, um, you know, sheer force of will. I mean, he came up through the ranks at Manchester City. He came through their their youth academy, and you know, played uh, through the leagues with teams like Rotherham United and Peterborough United and Fleetwood Town. So he's he's done his time. Uh, in places where you, you've got to play, you've, you've got to have a will to win, and you've got to play tough to win, and, and you certainly see that with him. As custodians go, when you look at the former volley sale. Uh, which is very, very good of late. Uh, you'd have to say he's had limited availability for uh, the All-Whites because of uh, his proximity, of course. But uh, all of a sudden, Danny Hay looks like he might have that, that, that custodial role uh, better covered. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, if you if you look at who the options are, you know, Stefan Marinovic is playing in Israel at the moment. Um and it's probably, you know, has been a very good keeper for the All-Whites, but I think is probably on the way down. Uh, Michael Vowed, Looked a bit patchy when we played uh, when, when he played in goal for us last time, and he had moments at the Olympics where he was a bit patchy as well. He's playing second tier in in Holland, uh, so all of a sudden I think with Nick Zaniv, who's who's another option, but from by all accounts he was the player that wasn't vaccinated that wouldn't uh, that couldn't go to the last camp. Uh, so Ollie Sale, all of a sudden. He gets that number one role last season. He's continued it this season, although he has had a bit of an injury. But he looks he looks a great prospect, and it wouldn't surprise me if uh, the All Whites make the World Cup in Qatar in twenty twenty two at the end of this year. That Ollie sails the All White number one. Okay, uh, just uh, on a, another note, Melbourne victory um, uh, in the second half uh, brought on uh, Marco Rojas. Uh, he missed a guilt edged opportunity that would have hooked uh, the victory up. But playing a significant game was his 100th game for the Melbourne victory, yeah. uh, together with the time he's played for the Phoenix. Uh, a true veteran, but uh, I'm not sure he was at the top of his game last night. 
No, I think I think uh, he's had he's had better games this season. I was surprised he was on the bench. To be honest, I thought he would start. Uh, but the victory have had similar issues to, uh, or have got similar issues to, I think a lot of clubs, but you know, you know, Phoenix being one, as they've got a lot of games in a short period of time. So I think, um, you know, they, their manager was just basically trying to rotate his squad. They had the FFA Cup final only three or four days ago, which they won. So it might have been a little bit of a hangover from that as well, potentially. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think Marco at this level is superb. He's one of the best players in the league at this level, but we didn't really see that last night. Uh, but, you know, he's 30 now as well, which surprised me the other day. I, I was thinking about Marco Rojas potentially going back to Europe, and then I was like, what is he now, 27, 28? He looked him up, he's 30. I'm like, okay, no, probably the, his, day, his, his chances in Europe are done, but he always seems to dominate this level. I, I think Marco will be good. I think he just needs a run of games, and if he gets that run of games going, um, expect him to be back in that all-whites mix uh, come World Cup time too. Well, uh, I can leave you with this. Um, as well, Ricardo. Uh, we've got a text, and I've never heard Ricardo Ball before the advent of SENZ. Really enjoy listening to him. So enthusiastic and knowledgeable. Cheers, Carolyn. So oh. there you go. Um, I, I had to read that out, and I, I echo those thoughts. Uh, I enjoy this segment every week uh, because of your enthusiasm and your knowledge, Ricardo, and I look forward to you uh, coming back this time next week as well. Thank you for your time, sir. Yeah, no, thank you, Smitty. Thanks for having me, and thanks to Carolyn. Okay, all good. It's 9.47 here on SENZ. Behind the stumps to behind the mic, you're in safe hands. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. You got to know when to hold them. Know when to fold them. Smithy's multi. Know when to walk away. And know when to run. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. Oh, yesterday the Bucks did get up to beat the Lakers. Uh, at the moment, uh, Tottenham and Southampton are locked at one all, so uh, that's in advance. But it didn't really matter anyway uh, because the Melbourne victory got up, uh, weren't able to get up and beat the Phoenix. I went with my brain apparently over my heart. I should have gone the other way around. Uh, so we missed there. So going into today, we're uh, eight wins, 11 losses. Uh, and a multi today consists of basketball, SEM Phoenix to beat the, the Sydney Kings tonight at $1.75. Uh, that, of course, in the... NBL and the NBA, uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers to beat the San Antonio Spurs at a buck forty-one, and uh, football tonight, the Central Coast Mariners to beat Macarthur at two dollars twenty-five. Result for that would be a healthy five dollars fifty-five. Let's uh, hope that one comes off. Plenty of texts coming in uh, regarding uh, the no non-contested scrums issue at, at this stage. Of course, it's just a mooted idea, depending on uh, the, the fact of uh, of how deeply affected the squads are, particularly in the front rows uh, and at COVID time. So uh, we'll just keep an eye on it. But it is, uh, it's a, it is a talking point. And, of course, Dave Rennie from across the Tasman has said, no thanks. And I would imagine most scrum coaches like Jason Ryan uh, would be in agreement. It's 10 o'clock here on SENZ. Day or night, summer or winter, he's the sound of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Well, here at SCNZ, we actually own a basketball team, the Otago Nuggets, and we're starting to get just a little bit worried, apparently, about the squad for the upcoming NBL season. But we are proud to announce that we've made our first signing, and it is a big signing in every sense of the word. Local Dunedin product Sam Timmins uh, is coming back to the Nuggets. He joins us now from Australia, where he's currently uh, in tow with the Breakers. 
Uh, Sam, good morning to you. Uh, that's great news for us, great news for the Nuggets. Uh, looking forward to getting home? Yeah, morning, Smitty. Um, yeah, honestly, like, I've, I've been excited for this announcement because, you know, I, I signed a while ago. and Yeah, I just, I just think that for, for my career right now, the New Zealand, the New Zealand League, Targo is just where I want to be. It, you know, it's home and it's where I want to, you know, be, I feel like I'm playing the best basketball in my career and it's the needs where I want to be playing it, yeah. Well, you debuted for the Nuggets uh, back in 2013 as a 15-year-old, mate. That, that was incredible. Can you remember that experience? Oh, yeah, no, I definitely can. But it was great because I think I got on a little bit in the first half and I caught it. As soon as I caught it, I chucked it up because I was just, you know, nerves were going 100 miles an hour. And it went in and out. And then um, and the, when I got on again later in the game, I said a um, pick and roll for Mark Dickel, who you know, I think was, I think was he the coach at that point? Maybe it was next year he was player coach, but um, he just he dished me an easy layup and I put it in the whole whole place went nuts, and it was just the most like surreal thing ever at the time. So like, yeah, I I can still picture it very very clearly. Most uh, big Otago boys uh, generally are pushed towards the middle of a scrum or. Uh, you know, towards the rugby game anyway, mate. Um, tell us about, about the, the choice to basketball for you. Um, I think, I mean, obviously, I, it was, you know, it was my first love as well, rugby. So, like, I grew up playing it, obviously, with, you know, Dad playing it. I was, had a ball in my hands pretty early on. But um, yeah. I think, I don't know, I just kind of, I started playing it because my mates were playing it. And then I ended up just falling in love with it. And then in year nine, we had at OBs, we had an assembly. You know, they just said all the all the, everyone wanted to play year nine rugby, stay behind. And for whatever reason, I was like, you know, what? I think I'm just going to sit with basketball. Just I just enjoy it way more. Yeah, well, as I say, Timmins has been a big name in, uh, in Otago sport, but uh, everyone's glad that you went the basketball way. And last season, of course, uh, was was huge for you. Uh, 20 points per game, 14 rebounds. Do you feel as if that was a bit of a breakout season for you? 100%. Yeah, I think um, just with the last like six years of my career, I felt it just felt like I'd kind of kind of played it safe a little bit on the basketball court and just tried to you know I was kind of out there, but I wasn't really trying to impose my will on the game and then. Uh, the conditions were kind of perfect last season. You know, I was playing for home. It meant a bit more to me, and I felt a bit. Uh, the, the staff and the head coach with Brent Matohi, I just felt. I just, you know, they had to trust in me, and then I kind of, you know, was like, right, I'm just going to give it everything and not hold anything back and see how it goes. And you know, it turned out to be the thing that propelled my career. Oh, so you went uh, through the the college system uh, at the University of Washington. Tell us. A wee bit about that experience. Um, yeah, so I was recruited there in 2014, and I, I ended up signing in 2015 um, to Lorenzo Roma, and then I was there, had a pretty decent freshman season, and then the coach that brought me in was uh, lost his job, and then we had Mike Hopkins come in for the next three years, and I learned a lot, man, but I think um, for whatever reason, just as a Kiwi kid who probably felt a little bit out of place in an American environment, I was, instead of, you know, 
imposing myself on the program and being like, you know, I'm a, I feel like I'm a great basketball player and I've got a lot to offer. I kind of allowed myself to kind of just be, you know, quiet and put in a box and I was just kind of like, you know, just trying to keep everyone happy and not step on toes and it made me fall to the wayside a little bit in the rotation in that team. And I still had a an amazing time and, you know, I had a lot of great games in my career, but it just wasn't what I thought I was capable of. So um, I think I, lot, I learned a heck of a lot from that those experiences. And at the same time, I, you know, gained a lot of knowledge in basketball. But I think it, was, it was, wasn't the career that I was hoping to have. But honestly, I think I'm far better for it. Sam, let's fast forward to today and your current situation. Uh, you're with the Breakers, uh, but uh, supposedly as a development player, but you've been uh, getting a bit of court time as well. Uh, so that must be a, a great experience. Tell us, tell about uh, about uh, that Breakers experience for you at the moment. I mean, it's it's been an unusual sort of season. You're based in Tasmania and you've got all sorts of COVID to, to live through, but uh, you've had to grow up and learn very quickly. Yeah, no, when I... Um when I first got here, back when we were training back in Auckland, and you know I was messing up, but every five minutes at practice, and Dan and Modi were having to correct me on everything and teach me everything, and they're like, "How do you not know this? How do you, you know?" And I'm, I'm thinking, at just at the level to which they understand this this game and are able to teach the game, and made it feel like a completely different sport to me initially, but you know lately I've been kind of it's starting to click all the things, you know, that they were trying to teach. It's starting to feel a bit more like second nature. And, yeah, no, I've been, I've been able to, you know, prove to them that I can get in and help and contribute at this level. And, yeah, in, in that regard, it's been a great challenge. But And I've, I've enjoyed it. But, yeah, as you said, you know, being based over here in Melbourne, not being away from, you know, not, not ever really being able to go home during the season, Um every game being an away game, it's tough. And I think, you know, none of us want to make any excuses. We don't, it's not like we don't think that we have the team that could have a really, a record that's a lot better than it is right now. But, you know, we're at the point we're at. And regardless of that, I think for the rest of the season, we believe that we're able to turn it around. Okay, so there are encouraging signs. It's a bit of a win-lose, win-lose sort of, fluctuation at the moment. Tell, tell us about um, one of the other things you're having to learn about life on the road and life uh, with a big franchise is uh, living conditions uh, with COVID. So uh, tell us about uh, life and the breakers and that system because it's so prevalent uh, a conversation in this country. Uh, we're living in the red zone, uh, the red traffic light system, but uh, of real interest is the way our super rugby players are going to have to adjust. What about your adjustments to that? Adjustments to just having COVID and kind of adjusting to and, it and, in and the living, world. Living with COVID, yeah, living with COVID around you, you know, and, and having players on the squad testing and and, and that kind of day to day thing. I mean, that must be a, a pretty much a shock to the system for a, a, a young guy um, making his way in basketball from Dunedin. Yeah, I mean, it's something that, um, yeah, as you said, like a lot of a lot of players at my point in their career prior haven't you know kind of ever had to worry about where you know everything's business as usual and then all of a sudden you know you get a text in the group chat saying you know a couple of people tested positive and isolate till you hear further and you know for us with I think 
probably both times we've had a win and started to feel like we're starting to gel a little bit as a team, we've had another bout of COVID as a unit and had to spend another week in the hotel room. And, you know, and I'm not saying that that's any different. I think every other team in the league has also had multiple disruptions because of COVID. But, yeah, it's like one thing for sure is definitely, you know, we've learned not to take the opportunity we have to show up and, you know, get on the court and practice and train and play the game we love every single day because in, in this climate you can't really just take that for granted because someone could test positive at any stage and then boom, you know, seven days minimum. So I think that, one, it's kind of taught you to be adaptable and dynamic, ready for anything. And two, it's just said, you know, appreciate the game that you're able to play every single day because you know there are elements out there that can take it away from you pretty quick for a bit. Uh, the upside, uh, Sam, is of course you're, you're rubbing shoulders with uh, the likes of uh, Yanni Wetzel and, and uh, Rob Lowe, so um, no better place to learn your, your your particular part in the game. Yeah, no, um, Yanni and Rob are both great basketball players, um, you know, especially in my position. I think also you know, playing, having played against Yanni a bit growing up, you know, it's just awesome, and they're, and they're also also awesome people. So as great as they are to have, you know, at trainings and be able to play with them, it's just, you know, if I what if I did have to be stuck over here, I'm I'm glad I got to be stuck over here with you know such great guys and such a great team environment and have great people to you know spend this time over that we're that we're with over here. So yeah, awesome for my game and awesome just you know for the headspace and the mental health, being able to have such great so, people around. So, Sam, the Otago Nugget season starts on in April. Um, tell us uh, what your anticipated time will be back to uh, to uh, to join the squad, our squad, shall I say, our squad? <laughs> our squad. Um, I think right now the initial intended end date for the ANBL was like mid-April. I'm pretty sure, but. As you know, as you were talking about before, for the COVID and stuff, there's every chance. I think there was allowed a week that that could get extended back to you know include makeup games and stuff. So probably, probably late April is what we're what, what I'm hoping to be back for. Well, we look like, forward to that, Sam. Uh, we've really enjoyed uh, chatting to you, mate, and uh, go well um, with uh, the breakers. Uh, we look forward to uh, rejoining the Nuggets to uh, whenever time permits. So uh, carry on the good work, mate. Thanks very much for your time this morning. Cheers, mate. Yeah, all the all best, man. All the best. Stay safe over there. 10.15 uh, here on SCNZ. Hey, Smithy, just so, uh, busting in here. Yeah. Sorry. Um, I just kind of caught on there. Did he mention Brendan Timmons was his dad? or is that's, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's what I said. Yeah, that Timmons is a big name in Otago sport. Yeah, so... Uh, and that's the reason, of course, he, he, he was very tempted to go the rugby way. Uh, but he's like a lot of son-ofs. Uh, for various reasons, they say, no, to hell with it. And I don't want to sort of live in his shadow or be compared to him all the time. Uh, and I've, I've, I know of a, a number of people, as opposed to Hamish Rutherford, of course, who we talked to first up. Uh, of course, son of Ken. Um, and uh, went to go, obviously went down the cricket route uh, very successfully, I might add, as well. Um, doesn't like to be compared to his father uh, and just got on and, and did it. I mean, there's been a history, isn't there? I mean, you look at uh, last night, Alex Rufa playing football 
uh, you know, because we're such a small country, mm-hmm. it probably crops up a lot more than it does um, in other parts of the world. But yeah, uh, yeah. it is interesting. Yeah, sun, sun off. And he's sun a big off, unit, Sam. He's like, it's almost seven foot. Two metres 11, so we've made a good signing there, SCNZ Otago Nuggets. I think we're building a good roster here. We are. We are indeed. Uh, we'll talk more about that uh, throughout the morning, uh, as well as the fact that we've got uh, quite a lot of texts uh, coming in on the, the rugby subject. Uh, varying uh, varying views, I, I might add as well, and uh, we'll express those very shortly. Talk to me, yeah. It is panel time this morning. It consists of uh, James Regan and Dave Worsley. And James, I think uh, it's fair to say it was a uh, dollar one in shortening, having uh, been prepared for COVID uh, down in the Queenstown area, that it would rear its ugly head, and particularly early, and that's been the case. Yeah, morning. Yeah, we definitely expected something. I'm not sure we expected it this this quick, but it's maybe a good thing that it's, it's happened now and players are maybe on notice and uh, Scott Robertson was up to media today and kind of said, yeah, it's, it's probably a reminder of how fragile things can be. So hopefully this kind of sorts itself out and there's obviously no, no COVID within within the bubble. But yeah, it's definitely a bit of an early warning uh, for everyone involved. And Dave uh, Worsley has uh, joined us as well. Dave, uh, Golden Oldie scrums being mooted and uh, Dave Rennie uh, not particularly keen on those. Uh, what's your take on that? Well, I agree with Dave Rennie. Of course, he's not going to be keen on it. It deflates the meaning and the strengths of any side. And also, if you're a prop, it's kind of like, what am I there for? Just to look pretty? Yeah, well, that uh, in itself is uh, probably a rhetorical question, isn't it? Just to look pretty. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, it, it does, Dave, though. Uh, I mean, they're pretty genuinely serious about this, New Zealand rugby and uh, Chris Lindrum, on the basis that, uh, golden oldie scrums is better than no rugby at all. Uh, really? But Spivy, if um, well, then you can't tackle anyone either. I mean, that's the whole thing. It is a contact sport, and uh, when you tackle someone, your face is brushing against them, your body's brushing against them. So there's a you know, and people are going to get sweaty, particularly at this time of the year. Gee, if you played in East Auckland, you'll just be an absolute sweat box. Not too sure about the weather and. Uh, in uh, Queenstown, but I'm sure it's going to be quite warm. And that's what happens when you play in February, March. And, uh, you know, you, you're going to get sweat against you. So there is huge opportunities for anything that anybody's got to pass on. Yeah, it does. It just depowers the game from my perspective. Uh, and, and James, uh, you're a, a big fan of the 13-man code. So just they look to be getting closer together if that was the case. Yeah, scrums and, and rugby league are a bit of a nightmare anyway. So to kind of change it up, and it's such an integral part of, of the 15-man 15, um, 15 code. So, yeah, I don't know. how. Where do you draw the line? Um, players will be doing everything they can to stay safe. And, um, yeah, it's better than no rugby at all. But is, is that rugby if you don't have proper scrums and, and, and everything going? And these, these players, that's what they train for. That's what they prepare for. So... Yeah, I, I think just get on with it. James, the Dolphins are apparently are denying ever approaching Reese Walsh. Um, what do you what do you make of that denial? Yeah, I think this this story was always going to come up this year. The the Australian Golden Boy and Reese Walsh, and the, particularly the Queensland Golden Boy, off at the New Zealand Warriors. I think that will ruffle a few feathers in the in the Aussie media. Um, 
it was always going to come up. The Warriors will always now deny it, and, and the Dolphins have come out and said they're they're no they're not interested at the moment. But look, I wouldn't be surprised if he heads over uh, back to Queensland at some stage. That's where his family's from. Um, the Warriors they'll want to hold on to him as long as they can because he he's the real deal. But this this story will go on, I think, for as long as Reese is at the Warriors. Anyone else uh, in the, the Warriors that you perceive may well be, could well be a, a target for the Dolphins? Yeah, probably Matt Lodge uh, at this stage. There's an obvious connection there. Peter O'Sullivan, the former Warriors recruitment manager, is now at the Dolphins. And um, there's a family relation there between the two. Matt Walsh is, Matt Lodge sorry, has had a, a tough time at the Warriors so far with a few suspensions, and, and he's ruffled his own feathers as well. So... Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if, if he was on his way to the Dolphins, but the Dolphins, have, they've got to make moves. They've got to sign players and good players if they're going to come into the league next year and, and hit the ground running. So all power to them. Hopefully they don't poach too many Warriors players, it has to be said, but they, they've, got to, they've got to do their own thing as well. They've got, they've got their own game to play. Mm, interesting. Uh, Dave, uh, tennis, in tennis news, Juan uh, Martín Del Potro uh, has announced that uh, that's it for him. Your reflections on him as a tennis player? Well, loveliest guy you could meet as a tennis player. A big unit. I mean, a huge unit of a guy. I mean, uh, he was tall, about 6'6", but broad as well. His father played rugby for, I think it was Cordoba, or one of the big Argentine sides as a lock. So that sort of explains it a bit. He won the tournament here in Auckland in uh, 2009, beating uh, Sam Querrey in the final. That was a great final. And uh, then was just so courteous afterwards and came and sat down with all the kids and all the volunteers, and actually ate dinner with them. Uh, he was just really lovely. Uh, and then he went on to win the US Open against Roger Federer. When Federer had a pretty much match point or should have won it, he was up by two sets to one, and somehow Del Potro came back. He was one of these players that the big four or five really feared because when Del Potro got his uh, forehand going, he was just... It was almost unplayable, the, the power he got behind it. So, yeah, a big loss. He's had, I think it was 14 different surgeries, at least over the last eight sure. years. Yeah. So <laughs> All over his bo- body. So, you know, you can understand why. Yeah. The, the, body, the body simply gave up. So, um, yeah, I mean, where would, he, where would he rank in terms of that era then? You say just outside the top four? Yeah, yeah, just outside, you know, you've, you've got obviously um, uh, Nadal, Djokovic, Federer, yeah, and Stan Varenka and uh, Andy Murray as the Grand Slam wins. And then you look for, say, the next best player. Uh, the next best player, well, he, he won one Grand Slam, should have possibly won more, but injuries curtailed that. I would put him in the next bracket of the next best guys. When are we uh, likely, and uh, the, the latest news, uh, likely to uh, see uh, Novak Djokovic back in action? It's- is anyone going to readily accept them back on court and just say, look, uh, you're welcome here, buddy? Well, I mean, Dubai is where he's going to, and uh, Dubai, you know, they'll do anything that uh, brings in money or makes them feel better or makes their egos bigger and better, and that's the same with Doha. Uh, Indian Wells, though, the tournament that isn't quite a grand slam, but uh, almost is, and uh, that is coming up in March, and the entries are listed for that, and he is listed as the entries. However, the tournament has come out. It's Larry Ellison's tournament, uh, the billionaire who owns the tournament in Palm Springs in uh, California. And the tournament has come out and said, everyone, no matter who you are, coming through the gate, uh, whether you're a ball kid, whether you're a player, 
has to be vaccinated or have proof of vaccination. So we could be uh, up for it again as uh, it's a huge tournament. And if Djokovic doesn't play it and if Medvedev does well, uh, like making the final or does just well in the tournament, he will take over the number one ranking. So you can just think what's going on in the uh, Djokovic uh, home right now. How can I do this? How can I play this? Is there a loophole? Mm, interesting. I, I, I would imagine too, Dave, uh, um, he wouldn't be that welcome in the locker room. I mean, we haven't heard from too many fellow players to this point. They, they haven't had to get involved because the administrators have, have dealt with it. But I would imagine he's, he would be too welcome to sit alongside in a locker room. Yeah, that would be really interesting to be the fly on the wall there because you know, some players may actually agree that they didn't... Well, in fact, there are players that agree that they didn't want to get vaccinated. Maybe they'd been one of them. But he said, well, I'll do it because, you know, it's part of my life. If I don't do it, well, then I don't have a life. I don't have a career. So, you know, those players have gone and done that. But just seeing them walk in, I wonder what that would be like. It's kind of fascinating mm. to, uh, to think, you know, how that could happen. Yeah, it would be, actually. Uh, stay with us, fellas. Uh, James Regan and Dave Worsley. Uh, other issues to talk about uh, after the news, but uh, here's Emma. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. At 10.32, Dave Worsley and James Regan are on the panel this morning, which uh, is fantastic. Uh, and James, uh, I think there used to be a saying like, go home, uh, if you're angry, go home and uh, kick the cat, take it out on the cat. But it's not the done thing uh, at all. As Kurt Zuma has found out, the West Ham defender... Uh, posted images of him doing just that, lost his sponsor, lost uh, fined by the club, lost face, um, and uh, it's from the, the the file of the weird and not so wonderful this. This is crazy stuff. Yeah, it's pretty disgraceful and, and outrageous as well. I mean, I saw the video and then kind of wish I didn't because it was, it was pretty horrific. And then... That he got condemned by the club and obviously the RSPCA over in the UK and then he played uh, yesterday against Watford. He got picked in the side, um, which was kind of a bit of a head-scratcher because at the very least, just don't pick him to avoid you know, some pretty negative headlines. And the headlines, they came. West Ham manager David Moyes came under quite a bit of fire and got asked some pretty tough questions about why he would pick um, Kurt Zuma, especially because it's still ongoing um, so yeah not a great look he, he's lost his, his sponsors as you said and I definitely this isn't the end of this I think from a West Ham point of view they'll, they'll have some more questions to answer because to play him under the under the circumstances was, was just bizarre and, and pretty disappointing as well I must have expected that Dave uh, you know repercussions like that uh, I mean the world is not a tolerant place these days yeah, expecting repercussions. Uh, I think it goes beyond that, Smithy. It's like, just use common sense, for goodness sake. Uh, and if you were the owner of the club and the board of the club, stop hiding, actually stand up, and uh, the CEO of the club should come forward, yet he will be, no doubt, scared of the board. Because the board is all about making money for themselves and for any shareholders. And so then the CEO just looks at them and is scared. And then when you come to the coach, they're just doing what he thinks will try and win the them a game which in turn will make everybody else happy but there's just one thing they forgot about fans they forgot about animals for goodness sake that can't talk just use some common sense and use a bit of maturity some of these players i know they're not always young i mean they are young and they're not always that smart 
Well, I think they need to actually instill the smarts into some of these players because what we've seen of late, uh, whether it's from Manchester United players, whether it's from West Ham players, or whether it's from the NRL coming up, don't forget the season's just about to start. You can expect on day one that there will be something stupid and something really immature and dumb done. Well, on a better footballing note, and it's uh, pretty close to home, as close as it can get at the moment, uh, it is the Phoenix, uh, who uh, look to be finding some form at uh, quite a crucial stage and some combinations, Dave. Well, that's right. I mean, this winning, um, what was that, not uh, last night, but the game before, took them from, what was it, 11th or 12th up to 7th. Uh, the win last night over the victory hasn't necessarily improved their placing on the points table, but if they get another point or another win in their next game, well, gee, they'll just take them up almost to the top four, depending on all sorts of things there. So I think it just gives them confidence because, well, you can't call them the Wellington Phoenix now. You call them the Australian Phoenix. You can't call uh, the uh, New Zealand Warriors because we haven't seen them for a couple of years. So they're basically uh, just an Aussie team. Uh, the Breakers, well, they're pretty much the same thing as well. But, yeah, it's great to see the Phoenix fire. And I think more of a, a, a settled and I won't say it a regular program of games, but just playing some games and uh, getting players back and getting players fit. And also their uh, Mexican import seems to be actually adding a little bit of pace in there as well. Just a, gee, where'd this guy come from? He's just adding something more that we didn't have before. Reason for you uh, for optimism, James? Yeah, definitely. Basically, it's just nice to see them get on a bit of a run. They've definitely, like all those teams over there, been through the ringer. Um, over the past few weeks or, or even couple of years now. So hopefully they can get there and build on this. And Tele is a really strong coach and he'll be demanding a lot from his players. So to be able to now get some results and hopefully get some points on the board, they are just outside the top six, which is where you obviously want to be. So, yeah, all, all power to them. And hopefully, you know, the Breakers can pick it up as well and the Warriors can start their season strong. And it'll just, you know, when these teams do get home it'll it'll invite crowds in as well because hopefully they'll be in the right positions but yeah great stuff for the phoenix and uh, almost time to jump on the bandwagon i reckon another couple of games <laughs> almost yeah almost ha, speaking of uh, sport in australia uh james uh a sanctioned cricket australia sanctioned that that uh that documentary called the test uh, and, uh, you know, it rated through the, the roof, actually. Uh, but it's come back a wee bit to bite them because uh, there are rumours that uh, Justin Langer wasn't quite as happy as everyone else uh, about the fact that he was quite the focal point but didn't quite get fo the focal money. And it may well have been uh, one of the reasons they started or, you know, really uh, ended up falling out in the dressing room. Now, of course, we all know what's unfolded. He is no longer part of the scene. Pat Cummins comes out yesterday. And uh, Pat's only been around five minutes as captain, but he's won a series 4-0, and he seems he can handle the media pretty well as, as, as well, and that's important over there. Yeah, he did everything right yesterday, didn't he? People came for him, ex-players. Mitchell Johnson had a huge go at him, um, and he kind of held, held his own. He, he laid off, laid, laid low for a few days, and then put that statement out yesterday, which, which just hit the nail on the head, and then he addressed media straight away afterwards answered all the questions perfectly. It was all about the team and what's best for the team. was hugely respectful to Justin Langer as well. So Pat Cummins is, is just earning so many fans at the moment and, and deservedly so as well because everything that's been thrown at him, he, he's done really well. So, so good on him. And 
yeah, hopefully um, Justin Lang will land on his feet as well. There's rumours that he, he might be in for the England job as well, which would be a touch ironic. So, yeah, well done to Paddy Cummins as well. It's an interesting uh, scenario for me uh, this, Dave. Um, I mean, you've you've dealt with a lot of um, press conferences. You've, uh, particularly in the tennis area, you've dealt with a lot of egos, etc. Um, but at this point, it doesn't appear that Pat Cummins has got too much ego. He's a hell of a fine bowler. Uh, uh, it seems he's very, very popular with his teammates. Uh, and uh, at the end of the day, he's proved very powerful because he and the players have won on the basis they just want a more pleasant coach. And that's, I think, pretty much comes out of it. They want a, a, a coach with a more pleasant and amiable disposition. Isn't that a bit of a change for Australian cricket? Because some of the coaches who have been there and some of the captains who have been there have just been so intense and so Mr. Cricket. Well, there you go, there's one. You know, so focused on cricket that it's just been the intensity on and off the field that perhaps they've forgotten that uh, some fans like cricket because it's a great game, not necessarily because that some team members or coaches are complete wankers. I mean, if you look through the Australian team right now, how many of them would you suggest, without knowing them personally, are actually nice people? I mean, I've looked through that over the last 10 years, and I'm struggling to actually find a whole team over the last 10 years. Finally, we've got one guy who's come out and has actually used his brains and has actually thought, hey, there are women and children who watch this game. There are people of all sorts of ages and races who watch this game. Maybe we should consider them sometime. Hmm. So if I was writing that press release, I would have been proud to actually help him write that, um, you know, write what he said. I've written enough of those sort of things to help people try and get through difficult situations, whether it was working for rugby, whether it's working for different sports. And that one was a good one because mainly because you had a player, a person who's saying it, who actually believed it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, at the moment, he's believable. Um, and, yeah, you know, at the moment. Uh, but, uh, you know, yeah, he is believable at the moment, uh, but I think quite a few of them have been, I think. Um, you know, Ricky Ponting, uh, Michael Clark, uh, Mark Taylor, all those guys, um, you know, at the start of their career, um, you know, they were given leeway, and, uh, and for most of them, uh, they hung in there uh, and, and did a pretty good job. But every now and then, uh, the Tim Payne uh, issue has been an interesting one. I mean, they've had a hell of a, they've had a, hell of a 12 months, uh, considering they've played a lot of cricket as well. Australia, but I think they've got more headlines for off than on the park, even though they've been so successful. Gents, it's been a pleasure talking to you this morning. James Regan, Dave Worsley, thank you for the time uh, being on the panel and your contribution uh, to its content today. It is 10.41 here on SENZ. We shall have another panel uh, tomorrow morning, and that'll be a TGIF panel. Pans, it's mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Yes, and it's 10.46 on SENZ, uh, and Simon's been very busy on the texting machine this morning, otherwise known as uh, the phone. I think if you zoom out a bit and try and be objective, then Scrum slow the game down significantly, and people seem to want more action these days to stay engaged, engage with the game. Uh, apologies to traditionalists, but entertainment competition is greater than ever and growing. Uh, E.g., you don't send highlights of scrums out on social media to entice casual viewers to tune in. Uh, and on a side note, was that a Samsung ad slipped into your news uh, a couple of bulletins ago? I feel like I have heard what sounded like a product ad previously as well. Sneaky Hutchie. Very, very good. Very sneaky. So, yeah, Simon, I'm not sure about the, um, Hutchie doing that on purpose. Um, but... I, I take your point. I take your point. It's a competition for entertainment, um, uh, John. But hmm, 
it's a, it, some people find it quite an absorbing part of the game, and it's certainly also uh, a part of the game where you can actually openly get dominance. I mean, you only have to see the reaction at the end of a dominant scrum, don't you, when they, they earn a penalty or they push an opposition pack off the ball. The way they high-five, uh, the animation around a successful scrum these days to see what it means to the pack. Yeah, they're extremely important parts of the game. I just know from watching the teams I support in Tasman and the Crusaders, a huge part of their success. They know if they've got the wood on someone else's scrum, uh, that they can force a penalty in their own half and get out uh, easily. Other teams who don't have a massive scrum have to find other ways out of, uh, of getting out of their own territory. So it is a massive weapon in rugby. And as soon as you get that dominance over your op- opposition, you go back to the scrum again and again and again. But like that text said, it's not the prettiest part of the game to watch. And I think a lot of times with fans, a lot of penalties are given and fans are like, well, what's that penalty for? And you quite often look at a referee who never looks like they've been near a scrum in their lives uh, giving away the penalties and you're wondering, how much do they actually know about this scrum? And are they just guessing with these penalties as well? So it is a controversial part of the game, but it is a part of the game that makes rugby unique, Smithy. No other sport comes close to have something with two tonnes going head-to-head, literally head-to-head pushing. I've heard some stories about um, some of the work that they did with uh, Mike Cron on the scrum machines. I think Dane Coles, his first day of scrumming with uh, the All Blacks, they were on the scrum machine, they were preparing for Argentina, and they held the weight of a kilo for 10 seconds because the Argentinians like to scrum for a long time. And he got up from the scrum machine and his eyes were completely bloodshot, and they were bloodshot for about a week Afterwards, because that ton of pressure going through your spine and out through your eyeballs uh, just absolutely blew it up. So they are intense. They are they are the dark arts of rugby. And I think if you lose pushing in scrums, you lose a massive part of technical parts of rugby. And the fat boys, where else are they going to play, Smithy? Psychologically, I think it's a, a huge loss to, to know that you're in a beaten scrum and you can't do much about it. That's the other thing. But... Uh, on the other side, uh, I do see Simon's point, nothing worse than continual resetting of scrums while the big boys sort out their techniques and maybe catch a breath or two. And, and that is uh, the ugly side of it. Certainly that would go with uh, non-contested scrums. A ball might be in play uh, a little bit more, uh, but it's, it is, uh, it's depowering the game as such. And uh, a lot of people don't mind, as you say, don't mind uh, a scrum or two. Uh, PJ, Paul Johnson, in, in fact, says uh, this morning's sermon uh, is bang on. What a ridiculous idea to have uncontested scrums in Super Rugby because of COVID. They were still packed down, but no pushing. Honestly, who's the idiot that thinks this, <laughs> thinks this stuff up? Well, uh, I, at this stage, um, uh, probably probably thinking that, uh, you know, it's just conjecture at this point, just conjecture. Uh, and they'll be, they'll be uh, most of those... Uh, Coaches will be strategising a way around that now in terms of depth of squad, I am absolutely certain. If you don't want scrums, watch sevens, says Chris. Pretty simple. Uh, they have uh, uncontested, basically uncontested three men, three women scrums, don't they? Three people in the, in the scrums. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty similar to all that. Uh, we're going to talk to Louis Herman Watt and get some information from the TAB as well. Race day in Hastings today. And uh, looking out the window, nice and fine. So they should have a good uh, track, good conditions. We'll be back shortly. Nothing gets past Smithy. It's mornings with Ian Smith on ECNZ. The loveracing.nz update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz.
racing's biggest fan. And resplendent in pink today is uh, Louis Herman Watt. Uh, really good look on you too, uh, Louis, I think it's fair to say. Thank you, uh, Ian. But uh, racing, plenty of colours on store racing today. Uh, Invercargill and Hastings as well, a, a bit of a make-up meeting here. Yeah, good meeting at Hastings as well, Smithy. Real good meeting. Um, nice for the CD, actually a couple in a row. So you've got a couple of stakes days down there. The property brokers wired it up with Thutterbred Breeders Stakes. Fun fact, pop quiz. Who is the defending champion of this race, Smithy? I do not know. Tabata, owned by Baz McCullum. Um, oh, one of oh. this race superbly to get some black ink, some black type uh, last year. And, yeah, Cinerama here is going to be a real hard uh, hard to stop for Maddie Cameron and Alan Sharrick. Maddie C back with Alan Sharrick from the uh, old days. Belle Clear's been punted for Lisa Ladder. It's going to be a real good go. Carolino, there's not some bad types in here. And tomorrow, Smithy, down in uh, Awapuni, there's group racing on a Friday, which we just love to see because of these makeup meets. Um, the Taranaki Cup, for example, that's going on. Hypnos, the Mitigator, Hurry Kane's back. Tiako Caliburn, Bodes Well, Leaderboard, Ahel Mary. Yeah, some nice racing. You reckon now that Bruce Sherrick's the boss of all NZTR, right? You reckon that might quiet an Alan Sherrick down? I think it'll probably make him get louder. I think I think you I oh think I think this might be the um well look at least here's one thing at least if Bruce starts to get a bit ahead of himself you know who's going to be there to peg him back not just Tony Kemp Al Sharrick's going to be there as well I actually I just think as I said yesterday it's a great thing that he's got skin in the game and form of family he understands what trainers go through and he understands the hardships and the highs and the lows and I think that's um yeah. and it, and specific to New Zealand racing as well I think that's crucial so I'm pumped about it Okay, thanks, Louis. Uh, thanks for your input today. Uh, good luck with the, the show tomorrow morning. Uh, Pip Morris, uh, well, no, Pip's not there at the moment. I was going to say there's two uh, Greyhound meetings today, Cambridge and uh, Addington, uh, so keep an eye out for that. Uh, Pip, uh, uh, hopefully Pip's there for us now, Pip. So two meetings today, uh, a lot of Greyhound does, a lot of Greyhounds running around. Certainly is, yes. Addington guaranteed $5,000 first fours as well, Smithy, this evening. Cambridge, we've got the two quaddies to look forward to. Thoroughbred side of things, of course, plenty as well, including you've got $25,000. Trouble, uh, I think, with uh, Pips. Uh, Craig Grills, Hastings and Kylie Williams in the cargo to each side one winner. $2 is the super surge, so quite a nice way to play that as well. It is indeed. Uh, thanks, Pip. Uh, thanks very much for uh, making contact with us there. Uh, so, yeah, racing uh, in Invercargill, uh, racing at Hastings, uh, the Gallops and the Greyhounds, um, meetings at Cambridge and at Addington. We are not far away, actually, from uh, rugby league action. In fact, uh, there's a game this weekend between the Indigenous and the Maori. That's uh, going to be played in Sydney, and that is the signal uh, to get real serious too about the NRL. We're going to do that after the break. Uh, we're going to speak to one of the greats of the game, one of the longest serving players in the game, Kieran Foran. Uh, that's after the news with him. The all new SCNZ is keep Day or night, summer or winter, he's the sound of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ. Well, Rugby League returns this weekend uh, with the NRL All-Star game between the Indigenous and the Māori. 
Uh, and then next week, uh, the NRL clubs are uh, seriously into their pre-season action. Manly take on West Tigers next Friday night. And uh, our next guest, Kiwis and Sea Eagles playmaker Kieran Foran, is heading into it, yes, his 14th NRL season. Good morning to you, Kieran. Thanks so much for joining us. Season number 14. Does that mean Des Hasler's taking it any easier on you this time around? <laughs> hey, guys. Pleasure to be on. Um, yeah, no, he hasn't taken it any easier on us older blokes. Me and um, Cherry Evans are still getting the whip uh, cracked um, by him. And, um, yeah, he's been he's been running the boys into the ground. But, um, yeah, it's been a, been a really solid pre-season by everyone at the club. How are you feeling uh, physically and mentally about season number 14? Mate, really, um, you know, I, I had a, a tough couple of years there physically um, and mentally um, a few years ago and um, my body seems to have sort of come full circle. I'm, I'm regenerated, um, I feel fresh in the mind, I'm clear in the mind and the body is, um, the body's responding to it. Um, yeah, I've... I've I feel like I've got a new lease of life on my footy footy career. I'll be I'll be 32 in July, but um, yeah, I'm feeling like I did when I was 22. So you've got a great relationship with Des Hasler. I mean, you go you go way back. Uh, I mean, there's not a lot of longevity and a lot of uh, rugby league stories, but yours is a good one. Uh, you, you must have a great relationship. Drink a lot of coffee, and uh, apparently he's notorious tight. Does notoriously tight? Does he ever pay for them? <laughs> he is notoriously tight. He never shouts a coffee. Um, I've never seen him buy anyone a coffee at the club. Everyone's, you know, continuously bringing him one though. Um, so yeah, look, he's um, nah, look, he, he is he's a great bloke. Um, he is someone that genuinely really cares about all his players. And I, I would say probably Desi's biggest strength as a co- as a coach is the belief that he instills in in his playing group. Um, you know playing under him, and I've played under him for most most of my career, um, that would be the, the significant... We might uh, we might have just yeah. lost uh, Kieran at the moment. Yep. Ho- hopefully, Kieran, you okay, right. Yeah, you got yep. me good. That's, uh, that's good. Uh, look, you've had stints with the Eels, the Warriors, the Bulldogs, etc., um, and but now uh, last year, all 25 games, which uh, is a is a good sign uh, to be involved uh, in such a physical season um, and, and have that continuity, mate. Yeah, it was. It was a it was a real goal of mine when I returned to Manly um, was to to work out what uh, had been causing all these injury concerns and problems and. Um, and I, I wanted to, to have a consistent season and be able to stay on the field. And, uh, yeah, I was really pleased that I was able to do that. Uh, as you said, I, I notched up 25 games. Uh, that's the most games I've played in a season since uh, 2013. Um, and, you know, we had, a, we had a reasonably successful year. We were able to, to go deep into the finals. We were one game away from, from, from the grand final. Um, and I think we'll be better off for it, you know, heading into this season. Tell us a, a wee bit about, you mentioned Daly Cherry Evans before as uh, one of your great mates uh, in terms of experience or so, but it seems your relationship, your partnership in the halves uh, is a very solid one. Tell us, tell us about playing uh, alongside him. Yeah, look, um, we've got a, a really tight friendship. Um, we've known each other uh, since we were about um, 17, 18. We 
We came to uh, we came through the manly system together in the under twenties, um, and then you know uh, we were able to I guess transfer that into the NRL competition. And um, I think if you ask both of us, you know, um, you know who who have we loved playing alongside throughout our careers, we would definitely say one another. And I just feel like our games, um, you know, truly complement one another in the sense that. You know his strengths and my weaknesses, and and vice versa, and that really gives the team, I guess, a, a real level base to play off. Um, and on top of that, you know, we're both uh, highly competitive individuals. Um, we we want to achieve at the highest level, so we're, we're pushing each other daily. You know, to get the best out of each other, and um, that that drives us to be the best players that we can be. What do you get about the feel of the squad? I mean, you've been around it a long time. What do you get about the... Uh, we're not far away from the serious stuff. Uh, how do you think, uh, maybe compared to 12 months ago and your you, you good showing last year, how do you think the, the squad is, uh, is poised at the moment? Yeah, I'm really happy with where we are at the moment. Um, you know, if I compare it to where we were this time last year, I think that we're further ahead in terms of our... Um, just our development... Uh, throughout the squad and our, I guess, our systems and structures. Uh, when we got together last year, we were a, a roughly new side um, and, and we were blooding a lot of younger players also. Um, those guys have now had a full season under their belt. They know what the NRL is about and how gruelling and, and competitive it can be. And um, we haven't had much change to the side. That's the other thing, you know. We've, we've only recruited uh, one or two extra guys, so... Basically, our, our same 17 will will be exactly what it was last year. Um, so, yeah, I, I, look, I, I'm really happy with where we sit at the moment. I think that, um, you know, it's a matter of, of keeping everyone fresh and healthy and, and staying on the paddock. But if we can do that, um, yeah, I've got no doubt that we'll be up there again this year. When you're as good as uh, Tom Trebojevic, uh, Tommy Turbo, as uh, a lot of people call him, uh, you're a marked man, quite clearly a marked man, and uh, he had one hell of a year um, last year, to be fair. Uh, he's going to, I would imagine, his, his brilliance will see him through, I'm sure, but he is marked, and he's going to attract a lot of attention from the opposition, uh, you would think, in terms of their strategies. Yeah, so true. Um, yeah, look, his, his year last year was quite incredible. Um, I think everyone saw that, and um, credit to him, he worked so hard uh, throughout the pre-season to to get himself in the, the best shape, both physically and mentally. And um, Look, he, he is he is an incredible footballer. And as you said, even though he, he'll be marked this year, um, he'll find other ways to, to still have that uh, influence on a game um, and, and be highly involved. So um, he knows that, that teams will be coming for him. He's prepared for it. Um, but look, I... I think even if you know what Tom Trebojevic is going to do, trying to stop it is a, a whole whole different proposition. And um, yeah, he's look, he's he's definitely one of the greatest footballers I've ever played with and seen. Has Des Hesler uh, set you guys a, a firm goal this year? I mean, is he that kind of coach that says it's only one thing that matters to me? Let, now let's go do it. Or uh, what are the, what uh, do you feel is a realistic goal for Manly this year? Yeah, well, look, I think if you look at our season last year, we started really poorly. Um, you know, we got blown off the park in our first four games. 
Um, and then we showed, you know, a fair amount of resilience to be able to claw our way back and, and finish the season, you know, in the top four, um, which, you know, you know, was a credit to the playing group and the coaching staff. But I think from Busy's point of view, he would be looking for us to certainly start the season better. Um, we've got a couple of tough games against Penrith and then Roosters, round one and two. So, you know, it's a good opportunity for us to, to see where we're at and, and, you know, have that, I guess, that ambition to, to want to get off to a good start. And then, you know, I certainly would think that Deji's, um, Deji's, you know, I guess, view of the side would be that we would challenge for the top four again. Uh, he would want to see us there. And um, I think as a playing group, you know, we got within reach last year. We, we certainly want to try and go all the way if we can this year. One of the most, uh, I think, uh, admirable things about uh, the NRL is its determination to go forward. And, and in these particular times, uh, Kieran, it's pretty tough. You've got the attitude of the likes of Peter Vlandis who said, we will continue to play uh, come hell or high weather, come virus or whatever. Uh, I think it's admirable for sports fans. It's, it's kept a lot of people really interested in what's been going on. But it's been tough for you guys. What kind of season are you envisaging in terms of uh, COVID at this point? What, what are you hoping for? Um, yeah, look, I think we've all adapted really well to the circumstances. And, yeah, it's different times. I think it's different times for society um, and everyone in terms of their, their work, work environment. So, um, yeah, it's, I've been really proud of the way the NRL's handled it and the players have adapted. But I think this year... Um, in terms of the season, I think players are more aware of what's expected of them around, um, I guess, the protocols and, and, and what we need to, I guess, abide by and, um, you know, the circumstances surrounding that. So I think everyone's sort of had a year under their belt getting used to it. And I'm hoping, look, I'm just hoping that there's no disruptions. Um, we don't need to, I guess, go into a complete bubble and, and end up interstate somewhere. I'm, I'm really hopeful that they can just play the games at, at clubs, you know, hometowns, home grounds, um, get the crowds back into the, into the stadiums and, you know, it, it just runs smoothly. All going well, uh, Kieran. There will be a Rugby League World Cup uh, at the end of the year. Uh, how much would uh, you love to be part of that for the Kiwis? Yeah, look, that that's certainly a goal of mine. Um, I'd love to love to be a part of that World Cup um, side. You know, that's going to head over to England at, at the end of the season. And um, yeah, look, I think you know, playing for your country is the pinnacle. It doesn't get any bigger and better than that. And I've just, I've absolutely, you know, relished every time uh, I've I've got to pull on that black and white jumper. And um, yeah, it, it's certainly a, a burning desire for me to. To pull it on, um, certainly another few few more times yet. Well, the Warriors have uh, made uh, an interesting re-signing, I, I think, uh, and Sean Johnson, one of your your, your old mates, uh, and yeah. so an important year for the Warriors. But uh, nice to see Sean back here. A lot of people uh, are, are loving that thought. Yeah, it's great. It, it really is. And um, look, I, I'm a great mate of Shawnee's. Um, it was awesome to see him. I guess, um, signed back there, you know, having done it myself um, and ended up mm. back at Manly, I could I could feel inside what it would, would mean to him to go back to the Warriors and, and, and be a part of that side again. So um, I, I think he'll just be, 
soaking it up and loving it, it'll uh, it'll re-energise them. It'll refresh them both mentally and physically. And I think I think you'll see one of uh, Sean's great seasons um, this year. I think he'll have a huge impact on on that side. Well, I'm hoping he does from the Warriors' point of view. Hoping you, that you do as well, Kieran. Always interested um, but because of your Kiwi tie-ups that uh, we're always interested to see how you're going. Uh, let's hope you're uh, around for the whole 25-plus games this year. Um, and good luck with Manly, and thanks so much for your time this morning. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys, any time. Yeah, cheers. Kieran Foran there, of course. Uh, really, uh, it's an outstanding story. 14 years. That I mean, how long... Long uh, longevity is that. I mean, he you'd have a poster of him, John Day, being a huge Manly fan. Uh, Kieran Foran and Daly Cherry Evans would be uh, uh, what, on your bedroom wall? No, I've still got Cliffy Lyons and Steve Menzies on my bedroom wall, Smithy. But, yeah, they're not far behind. Uh, just amazing that they won a premiership together 11 years ago, and they're still there. And a game like Rugby League and the way that Kieran Foran plays it, putting his body on the line, going through all those injuries. And I do feel sorry for Warriors fans. Uh, you didn't get the best of Kieran Foran at all, but neither did the Bulldogs and neither did the Eels. And somehow uh, he's got his body back in total condition and will probably, I think he's played 240 first grade games now. Uh, so he'll pass 250 mm. hopefully this year and very important for the Kiwis. I think with Benji Marshall retiring, uh, you need someone in the halves who's a strong leader, who can take you around the park, not necessarily in the way with his kicking game, but with his leadership and with his commitment. Uh, I think it'll be very important to that Kiwis team later on in the year. So good to hear he's in good health and in good spirits. OK, uh, we'll uh, talk more about uh, that. Of course, Rugby League kicking off this weekend and then those uh, NRL preseason games. So Rugby League will start to be very much a focus uh, on the show heading forward after the hiatus that we've had. It is 11-18 here on SENZ, uh, back with uh, some texts uh, and a competition very shortly. Safe Hands, it's Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Well, alongside sport and the weather, property is always a hot topic. And we're excited to partner with Bailey's, uh, their country team, to shine a spotlight on a standout rural property each week. From farms to vineyards to lifestyle blocks, if you're ready for a change in 2022, keep an eye on the Baileys country listings at baileys.co.nz forward slash country. Now this week's Baileys feature property is on the market for the first time in over 100 years. Tamari Farm comprises over 1,038 acres and is located on 25 kilometres uh, just south of Waipakarau. It's uh, the sought-after Flemington district of Tamari, yeah, just 25 kilometres south of Waipakarau. This is a prime location. Uh, the property is offered for sale in its entirety or options to purchase the top 419 hectare titles or 618 hectare bottom titles. Improvements include the Tamari five-bedroom homestead set in established gardens, two further dwellings, two well-appointed four-stand wool sheds, and numerous strategically located sheep and cattle yards. Tamari Farm is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to acquire scale and fertility with good water and on-farm airstrip and large areas of cultivatable land. For a buyer wanting to sell branded product to the market, Tamari has a great history, great balance and common status that could add value to the beef and lamb it produces. Tenders close for this wonderful opportunity 
4 p.m. Wednesday, 16th of March, 2022, at Bailey's office at Havelock North. So for more details, head to baileys.co.nz. It's Bailey's, New Zealand's number one rural real estate brand. Good blokes too, the Havelock guys, I can tell you that, right here and now. Love a beer. Uh, it is uh, 10, 11.25 uh, here on SENZ. Uh, some texts have come in, uh, John, as well. Uh, have a look at no penalties for front rows standing up. Locks can still push. A lot safer on front row next, says uh, Richard. At the end of the day, it's a product. Uh, this is Simon. If tweaks can be made, that make it more attractive in, in the uh, aggregate, then you lose some, but win more eyeballs. And that is uh, always important uh, if you're talking uh, television and ratings and prices, etc., like that. Malls and lineouts will distinguish it from league and American football. We won two successive World Cups on the back of having a top tight head prop in Owen Franks. Less emphasis on scrummaging for the last World Cup meant he was not picked. Result was we did not win. Forget about winning future World Cups if we have uncontested scrums, says Kevin. Uh, and here's one uh, you might like too. Uh, from a fellow by the name of Mitch McLennigan. Great stuff, Smithy. Love that chat with uh, what a star foreigners. Manly for the ship. And here you were working pretty close to Mitch McLennigan and you didn't even know you had that in common, John Day. Exactly. Um, I just, you know, when I look at Mitch McLennigan, I kind of see a little bit of myself. We've got the same eyes, um, but that's where it ends. Uh, he can bowl an incredibly quick ball uh, as a businessman. Uh, he's got a lot going for him, had a fine cricket career. Uh, but we do both love Manly, and he was trying to get a Manly player for when he was hosting the summer breakfast. Uh, but then, of course, he ended the summer breakfast and then came up to me and said, John, I know you love Manly. Do you want a Manly player on the show? And I said, hell yeah. And that's how we ended up with Kieran Foran being on the show. And that was cool. I liked uh, hearing from Kieran. I liked hearing that he thinks uh, playing for the Kiwis is the pinnacle of his career. So hopefully he stays fit and the Kiwis can have a good charge towards that World Cup at the end of the year. Wouldn't that be a nice one to put on the mantle along with the White Ferns and the Black Ferns this year? To have three World Cups in one year is massive. Wouldn't it, though? Would it not, though? Uh, And on... uh uh, a sad note, uh, as the NRL approaches, uh, announced yesterday was the passing of uh, immortal Johnny Raper, uh, St. Lord's, uh, St. George great player. He died at the age of 82. He'd been battling dementia for some years, but had been bra- bravely hanging on. Uh, only two years ago, celebrating his 80th birthday, surrounded by family and friends, the chairman and former captain of the Dragons, Craig Young, confirmed the sad news to the Sydney Morning Herald. We thought he was bulletproof, said uh, Young. He was a character on and off the field and one of the reasons why the club became the worldwide brand that it has. A genius lock forward, also known for his peerless cover defence. He played in eight consecutive grand final wins. Get that, eight consecutive grand final wins for the Dragons from 1959. Represented Australia 39 times, including eight as the captain. Pretty hard to join that Immortals club, John, too. Yeah, is it what? And uh, a lot of those guys from that Dragons team that won uh, all those 11 straight premierships, and he was part of eight of them. Um, and a lot of those guys, I think, now are, are just, we're, you know, we're farewelling them uh, from this earth, which is quite sad, especially over in Sydney, uh, the, the stronghold of rugby league, uh, where this is felt the most. But yeah, Johnny Raper, absolutely one of the greats to ever play the game. And his record shows that, Smithy. And that Dragons team will never be matched. They, no team, and I don't think in world sport, will ever win 11 titles in a row in any competition around the world I, I, it's, it's quite amazing so uh, just looking back at that John 
How many teams were in the comp? Would you know how many teams were in the comp back then? Not as many as now, of course. Uh, very much the New South Wales Rugby League. But then teams that are now gone would also be in there back then, like the Newtown Jets, etc. Uh, Glebe, I think, University. There were heaps of clubs in Sydney. So maybe around 10, maybe around 10 or 12 clubs back then. Still not a bad comp. North Sydney Bears, would they have been? Was that a team back then? Yeah, yeah, I love the North Sydney Bears. They're always my second team. Love them, absolutely love them. Would love to see them back. It was almost my dream. If I won Lotto, bring the North Sydney Bears back to the NRL. I don't reckon it would cost too much. Maybe ten million, twenty million. Ten million. All right. Okay. Good on you, mate. Um, Powerball. I need Powerball. In your next vocation, you'll be making that. It's uh, coming up to eleven. It's coming up to eleven thirty. Coming up to eleven thirty. Uh, and it's time for uh, you to get on the phones. 0800 150811 uh, and uh, see if you can make some money. Uh, big race day today and uh, we'll hopefully put a little bit of cash, a bit of folding stuff uh, into your phone account at the TAB. 0800 150811. Stump Smithy, good luck. Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. Certainly is that time of the day again where we give away 50 bucks from the TAB and some Sleep Drops Daytime Revive, New Zealand's only specialist range of sleep and stress support supplements. The phone system actually crashed, uh, and which means, Ryan, by default, you're first in line. Well done to you. Gotcha, boys. So you're in the car around Christchurch. What's going on, mate? What are you doing with your day? Oh, it's just working. Absolutely piddling down in Christchurch at the moment. Oh, yep, it does that sometimes. Uh, yes, yeah, summer's taken a turn lately, hasn't it? Hopefully uh, we get those beautiful days back, especially with a couple of test matches coming to the Garden City. So that would be nice if you can sort out the weather in a week's time, Ryan. But in the meantime, 50 bucks from the TAB and some Sleep Drops Daytime Revive on the line. They are New Zealand's only specialist range of sleep and stress support supplements. You get three sporting categories, you choose one, get the questions right, you win, get one wrong, and Smithy will stump you. So your categories today are combat sports, tennis, and cricket. Which one of those do you like, Ryan? We'll go cricket, thanks. Cricket. Oh, yeah, this is always good. This is always good. All right, mate. We'll see how you go up against Smithy, who has stumped probably, I'd say, close to 100 people on cricket since we've been on here. But you're a brave man, Ryan. Did you ever play the game? Oh, a little bit at school here and there, but I actually bet him in the Ashes one a few months ago. Oh, oh, here we go. No wonder you're a little bit confident. Okay, question number one. The White Ferns beat India yesterday in a T20 as they build towards the Cricket World Cup. Who is coach of the White Ferns? Bob Carter. Just a couple of chips down the wicket. Right in the slot, and away it goes. A Canterbury man, Smithy? Northamptonshire, Canterbury. Been around uh, the scene a long time, Bob Carter. This is his biggest gig, I think, under real pressure, leading a a Women's uh, World Cup team at home. So, wish him all the best. Absolutely. All right, well done there, Ryan. Question number two. Sachin Tendulkar holds the record for the most test matches played. How many games did the little master play for India? Test matches. Oh, geez, that would be a guess. Um, 154. One of the worst things I have ever seen 
done on a cricket field. Smithy, the little master, how many test matches did he play? A lot, a hell of a lot. Um, that won't do though. Uh, he scored 100 hundreds too in international cricket across all the formats. That is an uh, unbelievable performance. I I'm going to say 141. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. You're still alive, Ryan. He played 200 exactly test matches, You're which is just me. amazing, isn't it, Smithy? 200 tests. I not know that. Wow. Yeah. 100 hundreds, though, in international cricket as well. That's bloody good. I mean, Smithy, just quickly on the little master, like, where does he rank for you in terms of batsmen you've watched? Like, you know, like, right up there? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Brilliant. I played against him first when he was, uh, I think, just touching 17, put 88 against us in a test match of Clane Park in Napier. He was going to be the youngest uh, test centurion in the history of the game, and uh, he actually spooned one up to mid-off and was unluckily caught by John Wright. So, um, to be fair, he was one of, um, well, uh, playing under the pressure and the limelight that he had representing India, the way he handled it, the grace with which he had, uh, and the image that he portrayed, unbelievable. Yeah. A terrific, terrific advertisement for cricket. Man, that's a good yarn straight off the top of the dome. All right, Ryan, last question for the sleep drops and the TAB cash. Ross Taylor played 122 test matches for New Zealand. How many centuries did Roscoe score in test cricket? 122 tests? Yeah, did I say, is it 122, Smithy? Is that wrong? No, 112. 112. It's a misprint. Nah, it is 112. How many centuries did he score, Ryan? Oh, uh, 19. Oh, Ryan. Right in the slot, underway it goes. Well done, Ryan. It was 19 centuries. Uh, Smithy, you knew that for sure. You knew how many tests he played. You knew everything about Ross Taylor. But that little bit of opportunity we gave Ryan, do you think maybe he got onto the Google? Uh, you gave me enough time by chatting, Smithy, just to have a quick look. <laughs> 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 oh, Ryan, you have won the 50 bucks, mate, and the Sleep Drops Daytime Revive. Check out sleepdrops.co.nz there for all ages, lifestyle stages, and sleeping challenges. Cricket has been kind to you. Cheers, boys. Thank you. Yes, stay on the line, Ryan. Stay on the line, and uh, Ryan will get your details, and... Uh, You'll get the proceeds of that, and I don't know what it is. I really don't know what it is, but when you have these quizzes nationwide and you lose to someone from Christchurch, it, it just doesn't feel as good as when you perhaps lose to someone else. I don't know. Maybe it's just a personal thing. 11.38 here on SENZ. $25. We wish it was 8250 but uh, $825 uh, for Women's Refuge. Uh, just tell us a wee bit about uh, Women's Refuge nationwide. Oh, well, first, just thank, thank you. Um, and we are um, a, a national collective. So we have 40 refuges right throughout New Zealand who, when we do fundraising, we fundraise for all of those, for all of those refuges. Um, the, uh, the, the work that we do and the, the refuges, refuges do is so important. Um, we're looking, you know, they're looking after some of New Zealand's most vulnerable um, women and children. And by doing that, you know, we give, we give them 24-hour access to, you know, our crisis lines, um, food, support, whatever whatever they need at the time, they they are there for. And you know, New Zealanders are so so lovely and so willing to help. And there's just so many ways that everyone can help. And it doesn't necessarily always have to be through funding. 
um, you know, people can do people can donate to their local refuge. Local refuges need support as well as national refuge, the the national collective. Um, so yeah. <laughs> Is there, is, uh, Casey, is there websites as such set up for contact yeah. points? Yeah, absolutely. So we have our, um, our main website, which is womansrefuge.org, and you can have a look through and you'll find out all everything that we do, how we support the services. We also have, obviously, a Donate Now button um, on our website mm -hmm. too, so if you want to feel like you can donate, then feel free. We also have our safenight.nz um, website which is where you can donate a safe night to a woman who you will probably never meet in a place that you'll never know um, and mm. that gives that again gives them that safe secure housing for that night I would like to think and I would imagine around the country we'd like to think there's a diminishing need uh, for this but I would imagine that is not the case in the society that we live these days yeah no unfortunately not um, even though we're out there and we're doing all this good work and we're and we're making people aware that we you know that we're around and we're here for support, um, this the you know the case numbers still go up. We like last year alone we supported nearly fifty thousand um, women and children. Um, you know wow. we take thirty thousand calls on our crisis line a year, um, and unfortunately one of the one of the sort of hardest things to take I think is that it's estimated that only 70% of family violence incidents are reported to the police. So if you can imagine, we are only dealing with potentially 30% of what's actually going on in New Zealand. It's, it's quite frightening. So, you know, the need for our service, although we would love to be out of a job, um, it's there. Mm. And I think it's unfortunately is an ongoing, an ongoing need. But yeah, like being able to, uh, you know, sorry. We have to thank you for you know for the great work that you're doing. I've got to say, I mean, our eight hundred and twenty-five dollars is only uh, not even a drop in the ocean for what you need. But I think, in the, at any at any cost, at least uh, there's more awareness, and we've uh, and we've created that more awareness and a continuing awareness of what you do and and where you are. So, hey, look, it's been great to chat with you. Uh, great to get an insight on how we, people around the country can continue to contact you. Um, and help out if, uh, if they're uh, in a position to do so. Thanks for your time, and we'll yep. get that money to you quick as quick smart. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Casey Scott there from Women's Refuge. Yep. Uh, a really good cause, and uh, as Casey has just outlined, um, it's uh, unfortunately it's a need that uh, is not diminishing. Uh, the pressure on society uh, it just dictates that uh, 50,000 last year, 50,000. Uh, unbelievable. Uh, on a better note, uh, in terms of uh, women, John, uh, yesterday, uh, the White Ferns, and it's really important too, and I'm pleased to talk about this subject, the White Ferns will need momentum going into uh, the Cricket World Cup. They got some yesterday. They knocked over India. We, we were a tough nut to crack, to be fair, 155 for five. Uh, Susie Bates, uh, Sophie Devine, Leah Tahuhu, so the, the experienced names coming to the fore, and, and of course that is what's uh, going to have to be the case. The, the big players are going to have to play big. Uh, and uh, they defended that, 137 for 8, uh, the Indian women's team. Now they head into uh, the one-day international series. There's five of those all at John Davies Oval in Queenstown. The World Cup uh, kicks off on March the 4th, uh, that date closing in very quickly. Absolutely. I didn't know Leah Tahuhu had it in her as a pinch hitter.
Um, she came mm. in at five in the order yesterday and scored 27 of 14 balls. I did four fours and a six. That's um. Has she been keeping that quiet or a powder dry there? Because we know her as a fast bowling option, um, and she got one for 27 with the ball as well, uh, bowling first change. But that's quite a good string to have to her bow, and maybe something I didn't know about, and maybe opposition teams don't know about. Might be the Deepak Patel. It might be the yeah. Deepak Patel sleeper for the uh, the Women's World Cup. Certainly not quite so easy. Uh, that's a quick fire thing in T20 cricket. You've got to be a little bit more more reserved, but. Certainly, uh, uh, the ability to float up the order and get momentum into the innings or carry on a great start, e- even go up as far as uh, number three and carry on a great start Yeah, uh, if you get a flyer. So uh, that possibility is there, just a, a sneaky look inside uh, the White Ferns there as they prepare. Good start, girls. Really, really good start. Uh, yeah, um, We know uh, Ross Taylor did play 112 tests, so uh, that was a misprint. John Day knew that. He was just uh, reading. Yeah, um, yeah, of course. And we... Say so we did not, um, we did not ignore your call. We had phone issues, uh, my old mate. Uh, thanks for your continued support of the station. Uh, outstanding. Uh, non-contested scrums. The inmates are running the asylum. I will cancel my sky if that happens. Says John. Desperate measures there, John. Desperate measures. And Richard, whatever you're on, I don't know what you're talking about with your particular text, which will never ever be read out on this station. I promise you. It is 11.50. John Day, have you got any? No, you've got nothing to add to no, that. No, no, I don't want to add uh, anything we'll, to that, Smithy. I've read the text and let's end it there. <laughs> yeah, let's end it. Full stop, Richard, and I ever meet you in person. Look out. Uh, it, it's, yeah, it's coming up to time where we cross over and catch up with our great friend, Mark Stafford, who takes us on uh, throughout the afternoon here on SENZ.